0: saints let's bow our heads dear gracious heavenly father we thank you praise you God I'm praying that you would hide me beneath the cross that you would think through my mind speak through my mouth God let it be all of you less of me let the people be eternally touched and blessed and we give you praise for it in Jesus name and let everybody say Amen. Amen. amen come on with your Bibles in your hands repeat after me this is my Bible I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple, where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our Creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Pastor Andre, teach me this word. Come on, put your hands together. As if you're going to get fed this morning. Amen. Let's go to Isaiah 61. It's going to be one through three, and then we're going to pick up six and seven. And uh, this is the scripture that Jesus read when he first got into the synagogue. This is the scripture he picked up and he read. We're going to just go through all of the verses and then uh, at verse 7 we'll stop. So, Sister Mitchell, would you start with verse 1? The Spirit
1: of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent the planet of the Lord, that he may be
0: glorified. All right, verse
1: six. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast.
0: All right, verse seven. Now, before you read verse seven, these verses, we're going to stay in these verses for the next Three weeks starting this week so all those wonderful things we read I, I, I didn't pick any of them up but throughout this series we will pick up those things but verse 7 is where we're going to focus on today so read verse 7
1: instead of your shame there shall be a double portion instead of dishonor they shall rejoice in their lot. therefore in their land they shall possess a double portion they shall have everlasting
0: joy. The key is instead of your shame there shall be a double portion. And so the title of today's sermon is simply this, shame on you. Shame on you. Somebody says say, say shame, on shame on you. Now we've heard that said many times and many times it has a negative connotation and it, it is supposed to normally is you've done something wrong, so shame on you for what you've done. But I want to talk more than just what we've done. Now, we've all done some things that we should be ashamed of. If you've done some things that you are proud of, you probably are not saved. If you've done some evil things and you're proud of it, you're probably not saved. But if you've done some evil things while you've been saved and it made you feel shame, that's probably the conviction of the Holy Ghost. And, and and just just raise your hand if you've ever made a mistake while you've been saved. Amen. And for everybody who didn't raise their hand, we cast out lying demons at the end of the service. Because we done all done something. Maybe some more than others, but shame on you. Now, here's the thing. The devil wants us to wear the shame now now, let me walk softly with this but but many of us have been in situations where our children have done things and it brings a certain amount of shame. And then the devil wants you to wear that shame and wants you to feel about how bad a father you were, how bad a mother you were, and what you could have done, and what you couldn't have done, and all this and all that. You can't wear all that shame. Your life was not made. You're too beautiful to have all the shame on you. Now, the scripture earlier, or earlier on that, as we were reading, it says, God will give you beauty for your ashes. And so, where you have felt shame and felt dirty, This is not the place to come in here and be ashamed. So when the devil tells you you're too dirty, you're too sinful to raise your hands, guess what? Raise your hands anyhow. When the devil tells you you're too messed up to praise God, praise God anyhow. Because shame doesn't belong on me. But did you do it? Yeah, I I did do it. I did what they said I did. Yes, my child did what they said they did. Yes, I got fired from the job. Yes, I got divorced. And, and no, all those things don't make me happy, but I can't wear all the shame. So let's, let's go back to the title of the sermon again. And the title is what? Shame on you. But guess what? No longer is the shame on us. Shame is on the devil. Shame on you devil, not shame on me. And I'll show you why the shame is no longer on us. It's on the devil. Now, should we have conviction? Yes. Should we repent? Yes. Should we feel sorry? Yes. Should we celebrate when our kids do something wrong? No, but we are not going to wear all the shame. When you look at me, I'm not going to be crying with my head down, trying to duck and trying to dodge you because I'm embarrassed. No, I'm not embarrassed. I'm getting up. I'm going to the house of God. I'm apologizing to who I need to apologize to. I'm telling sorry to who I need to sorry. But I got to move forward in God. And so no longer shame on me, shame on you, devil. If you want to talk about me, let me talk about you. You want to talk about all my dumb mistakes, but guess what? You made the dumbest mistake. You were in heaven and got kicked out. So while you're talking about me, I'm talking about you. Shame on me? No, shame on you. But your old slew-footed, ugly self. Old raggedy, trifling self. When I get mad, I can talk about the devil real good with his with his ugly self. So let's 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 use these synonyms uh, uh, of the phrase "put to shame." We're going to put these up. Put to shame, to outshine, outclass, overshadow, eclipse, surpass, excel, be superior to, outstrip. Outdo, put in the shade, upstage, leave behind, show up, humble, informally to run rings around to be head and shoulders above. Now, wait a second. The Bible says I'm the head and not the tail. So the devil don't have no right to be head and shoulders above me. So while the devil is trying to put me to shame, he's not the one that has the right to put me to shame because I'm not wearing all of that shame. Let's put those back up. Put to shame. So this is what the devil is trying to do. He's trying to outshine me but he can't outshine me. He's trying to outclass me but he can't outclass me. He's trying to overshadow me eclipse me, surpass me, excel me but he can't do that because he got kicked out of heaven. He's trying to be superior to. He's trying to outstrip me. He's trying to outdo me. I'm not going to read all of those. He's trying to do stuff that he ain't got no business doing to me. And I'm going to show you why. We're going to go to Colossians 2, 13 through 15. And then as we read that, then we're going to jump back up to this put to shame definition. Let's look at Colossians 2, 13 through 15, starting at verse 13.
1: And you who, are, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us
0: all our trespasses. And you, talking about us, who were dead in trespasses and sins. No, about since we've been saved, we have walked in the deadness of our flesh. We are alive in Christ, but we've done some things that have led us to death because the wages of sin is death. But the Bible says he forgave us of our trespasses and our sins. Let's put the verse back up there, and I'll read the, the bottom part of the verse. It says, having forgiven us all our trespasses all means all that means past present and future that means there's some stuff that you haven't done that he already forgave you just in case and I know some people don't like that kind of preaching, but here's the thing when Christ died on the cross you were not born so that means every one of your sins was in the future and he took care of it when he laid on the cross. Now, now y'all look good, but ain't nobody here 2,000 years old. Not, not nary a one of y'all. It's two, America is not even 2,000 years old. But God looked ahead and the Bible says for the joy set before him, he endured the cross because he knew he was going to take and strip our trespasses and take them to the cross and nail them to the cross. And yes, I did it. And yes, I made the mistake and no, I shouldn't have, but I'm not going to wallow in it because my sin is dead because it was forgiven by my God. Now I could walk in deadness or I can allow my sin to be that which is dead. So let's look at verse 14. And this is how he did it, by verse 14.
1: By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal
0: demands
1: that he set aside,
0: nailing it to the There's cross. There's so much there that I, 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 won't, I won't deal with that, but, but really what we see on the cross is really an accounting term. It really, what he did, he reconciled our debt. It's like he paid the mortgage off. He, he he paid the car off. He paid our sin debt off. Yes, it was sin. Yes, it was a debt. And because of sin, we deserve hell. But he paid the price for you, and he paid the price for me. And let me say this lightly. I don't mean to say it roughly, But really, anybody who does not connect to God, really, they are stupid because he paid the price for everybody. So the empty seats you see and the people who won't connect online is because they think they're too dirty to connect to God. But really, that's the stupidest thing in the world because he paid the price for everybody. Now, if you go buy a bag of grapes, and you wash them and you put them in the refrigerator and you eat some of them, but some of them you leave and they spoil and you throw them away, you still pay for all of them. Now just because you didn't get the opportunity to eat them all doesn't mean that you don't owe them all, you owe all of them. So Jesus paid for everybody. Now not everybody wants to come in and experience what he paid for, but that doesn't change the fact that he paid for it all. Jesus paid it all. I'm going to throw this little joke in there. Someone uh, owed me some money, and they said, well, Jesus paid it all. I said, he didn't pay that. I need need my money. But he paid your sin debt off. All right, now now let's look at verse 15.
1: He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him.
0: He put them to shame open shame. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities, which means the principalities. So now let's go back to put to shame. So now the shame is no longer on us. The shame is on him because the Bible says he put them to shame openly and it's talking about the spiritual world. So let's go back to the put to shame and we're going to read it that way. So that means Jesus outshined the devil. He outclassed the devil. He overshadowed the devil, he eclipsed the devil, he surpassed the devil, he excelled the devil, he was superior to the devil, he outstripped the devil, he outdone the devil, he put the devil in shade, he upstaged the devil, he left him behind, he showed him up, he humbled him, he ran rings around him, and he is the head and shoulders above the devil, and since he lives in me, I outshine the devil, I outclass the devil. I overshadowed the devil I eclipsed the devil I surpassed the devil Well shouldn't you have shame? Yes I should have shame But for my shame he gave me double So I excel the devil I'm superior to the devil I outstrip the devil I outdo the devil I put the devil in shade. I upstage the devil I leave him behind I humble him I run rings around him And I'm the head and I'm not to tell not shame on me, shame on you devil amen, amen. that's a good that 's a good place to just give God some praise amen let's let 's read uh, verse fifteen again i 'll read that he disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. In Him, now, now some of this stuff you couldn't see. It looked like He was just dying on the cross, but in Him, He was controlling everything and overthrowing everything. And because we are in Him, then we get everything that He got, as long as we stay in Him. Now, I can take a, uh, I, I, I can take this this water bottle. And if I put uh, red uh, food coloring in it, then the red food coloring is going to get inside the water bottle and it's going to change the color of the water bottle because what happened is the red got into the water. So it changes the color and everything of the water as long as it gets in the water. But then I could take this whole thing and I could throw this in the ocean and guess what's going to happen to the bottle? The bottle's now going to be in the ocean. So here's the thing, Jesus came in us but we don't get the full benefits until we get in him. So as long as he comes in me, yes some things will change, but if I want to be surrounded by him, if I want to drown in him, if I want to sink in him, I got to get in him the way he got in me. Yes, it was amazing that he got in me, but don't let that be enough. You need to get in him and if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. The reason why I did some stupid stuff is because I stepped out of him. But when I stay in him, guess what? You're going to recognize my life is going to be different because I'm going to be drowning in him. And here's the thing the only way you could get the bottle out of the ocean, you got to get in the ocean to get the bottle. So if you're going to try to get me and distract me, you got to get in Christ to find me because I'm in Christ. And it's time for us to be in him. All the promises of God, they are yes and amen in him. In him do we live. In him do we move. In him do we have our being. Now here's my question. Is there any shame in him? If there's no shame in him, then there's no shame in me. Is there any defeat in him? If there's no defeat in him, there's no defeat in me. Yes, I may go through something that looks like I'm losing, but I can never lose as long as I'm in him. And so we got to learn and understand that our connection to God is superior to everything. Even though the devil is telling us some stuff about us that is absolutely T-R-U-E, it doesn't make a difference. At the end of the day, I'm in him and he is in me. And that makes all the difference. That's going to bring us to this man named Mephibosheth. And I want to talk about Mephibosheth for a second. So let's bring up the Hebrew of his name, and I'll I'll put it up there and and point to it. The Hebrew name is, in those, those character letters, that's what the Hebrew would have looked like. It would translate into Mephibosheth, meaning from the mouth of shame. The problem with the Old Testament is when they gave people names, those names had meanings and the meanings had a way of controlling the person's life or they were assigned them something based on what they were going through. And so his name meant out of the mouth of shame. Now, now I don't know what your name comes from, but there may be some shame in your history, some shame in your ancestry. There may be some folk in your family that done some dastardly, ugly, nasty stuff, and it might be in your bloodline, but we don't believe in generational curses. We only believe in generational blessings. Guess what? The buck stops here and the buck stops with me. Yes, shame is in my family, but it will not have to be in me. I'm not going to take no shame. I'm going to stand up and rise up and be what God has called me to be. And I will not allow the mouth of shame to bring me down. Now, let me say that the mouth of shame, the mouth of shame, the mouth of shame. So that means people will put shame on you because they will talk about you based on what they knew about you, not always on what they know about you. See, when you first met me, maybe I was a drunk. When you first met me, maybe I was a prostitute, but you're talking about who I left. I'm not him anymore. I'm not her anymore. So don't address me based on who I used to be. Dress me based on where I'm going. I'm a king and a priest. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. I am what God says I am. I am on the top. I serve the King of kings. I serve the Lord of lords. I serve the great I am and the shepherd of the sheep. So keep your mouth off of me because your mouth of shame don't belong on me. Amen. Now I'm preaching better than y'all letting on. That's that's not true. Y'all, y'all helping me preach. I just felt like saying that. <laughs> last, last Sunday, I was in Dayton preaching and I got a chance to preach in uh, uh, Dayton, Ohio. And I, I think I'm going to do some more traveling as the pandemic goes away. And I'll, I'll, I'll probably go on some first Sundays and do some preaching. But I, I shared something with them on last Sunday that I think would make sense for you now. That there was a time that I wore a 32 waist pant. But guess what? I'm not comfortable in that anymore. Because there's been some expansion in the belly area and the waist area. And so what used to fit no longer fits. I don't want to wear that I would be uncomfortable in that because I've outgrown it. See, you may have been in some sin and still was saved. But here's the thing, once you grow, that's some stuff that just should not feel right. There's some stuff you can no longer do and be happy because it no longer feels comfortable because you've outgrown it. And here's the thing. The devil wants to talk to me like I still wear 32, but I no longer wear 32. So you can't bring me no 32 and expect me to jump back in it and act like everything's okay. No, I've outgrown it. I've outgrown depression. I've outgrown anxiety. I've outgrown fear. I've outgrown lying. I've outgrown sex in here and sex in there. I've outgrown it. And so when you try to put it back on me, it just does not fit. I don't I don't want it. You ain't got to hold a, a rule book over my head and say, do this and do this and do this and don't do this and don't do this and don't do that. Now, maybe when I first got saved, I needed that. But as I grow, there's some stuff I just know I don't want no part of. Now, I, I grew up in the hip-hop era, the hip-hop age, and I like some hip-hop, but I can't take a whole bunch of it. Every now and then I'll try to turn on some hip-hop, even some new stuff, so I'm not, not too far from what the people are, 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 are listening to. I turn it on about two, three minutes, man, I, 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 I just can't listen to it. It's not that I'm too saved. it just doesn't fit. It may fit you, you may like it, I'm not mad at you, but there's some stuff that just don't fit me. It don't feel right in my spirit, it doesn't doesn't settle right with me. He ever had somebody say, that just didn't sit right with me. There's some stuff that just don't sit right with me. There's some places that I went that just don't sit right with me right now. Yes, the summertime is upon us. And yes, there's some things change when the summertime comes. And yes, you like to go out and have fun, but there's only so much that he can park I can take. I love everybody there, but I get tired of seeing all the skin out there. I need to go somewhere and go home. I, you, you get to see everything that you wasn't planning on seeing. And I'm not mad. They are out there. They're enjoying themselves. They're fla- flaunting what they got, but I don't want to see it all. So at a certain point, guess what? I'm going home. And it's not always because I'm attracted to it. Sometimes I'm disgusted by it. I just don't want she out all it. I'm going home. I ain't going to be mad at nobody else. I ain't going out to the park and tell folks to cover up. I'm just going home because it don't fit me no more. There was a time I'd be loving it up. I, I would have set my tent right there and talked to everybody to come by. But that's not who I am anymore. I've grown out of some stuff. I don't, I don't mind people who smoke weed. I can talk to them. I can minister to them. But for me, it stinks. It it bothers me. I can't be around it for a long not. I'm not mad at you. I'm not going to dog you out. But for me in my house, I, I, I don't want it. And so if I minister to you and you have too much of it, guess what I'm doing? I'm going somewhere and going home. I ain't gonna try to be like no little slick Christian and try to get a contact high off of you so I can feel something. No, I, I got enough Holy Ghost in me to feel something. I don't need no contact. I don't need because it no longer fits. Now we don't have. You don't have to throw a fit, but you ought to know there's some things that just don't fit anymore. You go to the family reunion, you love your people, but some stuff just don't fit. Some dances just don't fit. I I can do the cupid shuffle, but once you get to gyrating, I got to go sit down. I got to get off the dance floor because that doesn't fit me being who I say I want to be. Deliver me from Christians who can do everything they used to do without any change, without feeling anything. You ought to have some growth in your life Somebody say, thank God for growth. growth. All right, let's let's put the Hebrew thing back up there and then we're going to move on. So, the Hebrew name is Mephibosheth, meaning from the mouth of shame. Let's explain why that came there. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 4.
1: Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled. but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was
0: Mosfilosheb. So this starts us off in figuring out who he was and why he had this shameful past. So here's the thing. He was connected to the kingly family of Saul. He was the son of Jonathan. But at a time when the kingdom was being changed from Saul into David and they were fighting the Philistines, Uh, both Saul and Jonathan went to battle. And when they went to battle, they both end up dying. And so the news came back that, listen, The kingdom has changed the king and his son, and the the, the tragedy of that is that his son could have carried on the kingdom, but when both of them died, there was no one left to carry on the kingdom. And so this nurse grabs Mephibosheth, who is the grandson, and she's taken running him to safety because she doesn't know if they're going to come and kill everybody because normally what happens in warrior times like that, they make sure that the king is dead, the son is dead, and anybody connected so that family can never return to power. So the nurse did something great in rescuing Mephibosheth, but the problem in the rescue and in the run, somehow he failed. Some people think she dropped him, Some people think he jumped out, but either way, he ended up being crippled. Not only is his family out of power, but here he is crippled, lame in both feet, and now he's a beggar, and now he's poor, and now his life is what his name said, full of shame. And I need to say this to you. Some of your trouble is not because of you. Somebody dropped you. You were doing well, but... Your, you found out your man cheated on you 18 times and you just couldn't take it. It wasn't, it wasn't your fault to end your marriage. It just happened and somebody dropped you. He was supposed to protect you and he dropped you. And sometimes it's your fault. You was the one who did the stupid stuff. You jumped out of the hands. But either way, here you are crippled and here you are full of shame. That's the connotation. Let's, let's go to uh, 2 Samuel 9, 1 through 3. Sister Mitchell, you read this, and then I'll take over the rest of
1: them. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame
0: in both feet. So, if you know the story about David and Jonathan, Jonathan loved David, and David loved Jonathan, but Jonathan's dad hated David. Saul got jealous of David, so here Jonathan was caught in between. And what Jonathan said, he said, David, I can tell you're going to be king. I can tell God has taken the kingdom from my father. He's going crazy, and I can tell it's going to ha- end up in your hands because I can see the anointing of God on your life. But I ask you one thing, David, just don't forget about my family. I understand my daddy has been doing you wrong. I understand he's been chasing you. But please, I can see that you are anointed. Just don't forget about my family. And so David promised him because he loved him. He said, said, I will remember your family. So it came a time where David asked the question, is there anybody left in the house of Saul? And that shows you how powerful David was. David had uh, the most of the enemies he had came from the house of Saul, but he still said, I have a covenant to keep. I have my integrity. And if there's anybody I can show kindness to, I will show kindness to. And even when Saul died, his arch enemy, David got mad at the man who killed him. And David said, you should never put your hand on the Lord's anointing. Here's the thing you got to understand it's just a side no rabbit trail you don't have to fight your own battles when you are in God God can fight your battles you don't have to hold unforgiveness you don't have to be bitter you don't have to be mean and nasty and have a bad attitude you can let all that stuff go and God will take over for you and fight for you and guess what you can go so far as being good to your enemies and praying for your enemies knowing that God has the final say so so David said is there anybody that I can show kindness to, and Ziba said, "Yeah, there's just <coughs> there's just one guy, <coughs> this grandson, but he lame in both his feet. He crippled. He's uh, he's handicapped. He he's challenged. In other words, yeah, there's somebody you can show kindness to, but you probably don't want to pick this fella because he don't have nothing going for him in his life. In other words, he got shame on him. All right, let's look at verses four and five, and I'll, I'll read this." Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Maker, son of Amiel. He's at the house of Maker. He he didn't have his own house. He had to stay with someone. House of Maker, son of Amiel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Maker, son of Amiel. Now here he is. He is the family of a kingdom that has fallen but here he is, not even in his own house, and he's in a city called Lodabar. Even the city sound bad. He in Lodabar. Remember over there, before they had the millennial homes, they used to call that the low end. He was in the low end. He was in Lodabar and didn't even have his own house. He had to stay with somebody, and on top of all that, he was crippled. And on top of that, there are some people who were so loyal to David, if he would have came out and showed himself, they would have killed him to say, oh, by the way, there was some folk left from Saul from your enemy. I killed them." So guess what? He's in hiding. Nothing's going right for him because shame is on him. Whether he got dropped or whether he jumped out, either way, he's ended up in a bunch of shame. And I need to let you know, it could have been your fault, it could have been somebody else's fault, it could have been a mixture of all of it, but God says it's time to come on up out of Lodabar. The scripture says, David brought him up out of Lodabar. There's something to understand, it it, it was actually lower or southern, but it's it's a mentality, you need to be brought up. Out of that low pace, yes, there's some shaming. Yes, you might be embarrassed. Yes, your t- child did this. Yes, your marriage ended in divorce. Yes, you got some empty seats in your church, you preach it at. But I'm bringing you up out of Lodabar. I want you to get your mind up out of this low place, out of this depressed place, out of this shameful place. Yes, you don't have this and yes, you don't have that. And yes, your mama didn't do the best and yes, your daddy walked out on you. But God says, I want to bring you up out of the low place. I didn't come this far to leave you. Get yourself up out of bar. I want you to come up out of the low stuff. I, I want you to come up out of the muck and the mire. I, I want you to come up out of the trouble. I, I want you to come up out of the pain. You done cried long enough. Your pillow got so many tear stains on it. Go home and change your pillowcase and wash your pillow because you coming up out of this low place. You you coming up out of this lonely place. You you coming up out of this sad place. I'm bringing you up out of Lodabar because no longer shame on you, shame on the devil. Let's look at verse 6. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul came to David. He bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth called him by his name. And his reply was, at your service, he replied. Let's look at verse 7. This is what David said. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness. Now remember last week, an uh, apostle talked about loving kindness. With loving kindness have I Drawn thee, I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Ain't got nothing to do with you, it's for the sake of the one who went before you. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Now, 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 wait one second here. You're telling me you're dealing with a man who's crippled who's living in Lodabar, who's also living in somebody else's house. And David said, I'm getting ready to show you kindness. I don't care how long you've been crippled. The Bible says he got crippled at the age of five. So this has been a long time since then. I don't know how old he was, but I know he had been in that situation a long time. There was a man in the Bible who was lame for thirty eight years i don 't care how long you 've been in it i don 't care how long you 've been broke i don't care how long you 've been sick i don 't care how long you 've been in pain i don 't care how long it 's been when God get ready to bring you up God get ready to bring you up when God get ready to turn it around God get ready to turn it around when God does it. He's shown sure up, doesn't he? Does not like Campbell's soup? Mmm, mmm, good. He blesses you so good, it don't make sense. Mind boggling blessings, mind blowing blessings. It don't make sense what God has prepared for those who love him. Don't you quit, God gonna bring you up out of this place. Then he says, I will restore to you the land that your grandfather Saul had. Remember, Saul died as a king. So if he died as a king, that means he had a whole bunch of land. That also means since he was no longer king and David was king, there were other people occupying that land. So that means David had to remove people out of the land to give it to Mephibosheth. Somebody is eating at your kitchen table right now and you don't even know it. But God getting ready to move them out and they're going to foreclose and you're going to walk and get a nice house that you can't even afford because when God get ready to switch things and turn things around, can't nobody stop what he's doing. I don't know who I don't know who driving my car but they better get ready to give it up. I don't care who's in my house and swimming in my pool but they better get ready to give it up because when God get ready to pull me up out of the of bar everything that belongs to me he will restore. Everything that the devil took from me he will restore. God will repay because he's just that kind of God. Not shame on me, shame on you devil. Came on you. There's, there's a CEO somewhere that got your business on it. He, he's building up, Yo, but the Bible says that the wicked man, they laid up wealth for the righteous. There, there's some folk doing, don't 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 get mad at the folk that don't want to come to church and all they want to do is play and make money and it look like they're living better than we're living and look like they're doing better than we're doing. There's going to come a day when God turns and switches the tables and God going to bless you just like he blessed Mephibosheth. And yes, you may be crippled in some area, but when God raised you up, He's the one who can make a difference. You raise me up like, like eagle's wings and you lift me up to the highest, height. Lord, lift us up where we belong, where the eagle flies on mountain high. Lift us up. And some of us, we've been low so long, especially if we wear African-American skin. We've gone through so much stuff, but there's a something coming. It didn't just happen when George Floyd died. There's something coming through the pipeline where God is changing people and changing minds. And next thing you know, you're going to be on boards that don't make no sense for you to be on boards because God know how to do it. He know how to make a difference when he want to make a difference. He know how to raise you when he want to raise you. And this is your time to be raised. Hallelujah. So next time somebody tell you shame on you, you say, you must not be talking about me. Let me tell you a, 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 a quick story here. Here I got I, I got a uh, email just a few days ago that said we are uh, congratulating you for being one of the board of trustees for Ivy Tech, the Muncie, and uh, I think Henry County campus, and there are uh, they, they want me on their team. They came after me and interviewed me, and they want me to be on their board of trustees. Here's the funny thing. I walked away from a degree to become a preacher, and so I still have not finished my degree, and I'm on the board of a trustees of colleges that give out degrees. degree. It, When when God, it's it's, it's sometimes stupid blessings, mind-blowing blessings. When God gets ready to do stuff, I don't care what you don't have. I don't care what you lack. I don't care what you lost. I don't care what you gave up. And I don't care what you sold and didn't get back. When when it's harvest time, stuff that don't make sense will start happening to you. So guess what? No more shame on me. Because for my shame, I will get double. double. All right, let's... Let's look, oh, and, and let, before I move on, let me, because I don't have that much longer to go. So, so let, let me say this to you real quick. My son Dylan, when he looks at my scriptures and he says, oh, you don't have a whole lot of scriptures, so you're going to just draw it out, ain't you? I'm, yeah, I'm going to draw it out. <laughs> so we almost to the end, so let me draw it out. <laughs> but to be honest, normally when people meet me, they already assume I have degrees. Because of my intellect and because of the way I talk. So when they actually ask me the pointed question, there's a little bit of shame and embarrassment to say, no, I didn't get it. It's been a little bit of shame. But but here's the thing. What God is telling me for whatever has shamed me, he's going to double me. He's going to bless me. And it's not that I can't, I I can get it whenever God leads me to get ready. One of the things that God told me is it means too much to you. That's why I haven't let you get it yet. Because you think you're better because you got it, but I think you're good just the way you are and so God knows how to take the things that embarrass you and just lift you up and make you big and make you better. I used to deal with pastors that their live stream looked so much better than ours and it brought me a little shame and then all of a sudden in the last year around the same time last year, a grant comes through, free money for me to upgrade my live stream and guess what pastors tell me, we need to get on your level because I like the way y'all look, y'all look good because God knows how to take what shame you and turn it all the way around. My children is bringing me shame. I can turn it around. My marriage is bringing me shame. I can turn it around. My money is bringing me shame. I can turn it around. My city is bringing me shame. I can turn it around. My clunk, clunk car is bringing me shame. I can turn it around. Don't you know that for your shame, I'll give you double... All right, and the scripture says he'll always eat at my table. So let's look at, let's look at, now th- this is very important as, as we get ready to wrap up. This is very important for us to understand because once you've been down so long, your mindset gets stuck. So let's look at 2 Samuel 9, 8.
1: Mephibosheth M- 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 L- bowed down and said, what is your servant?
0: That
1: you should notice
0: a dead dog like me. He's been told all these things that he was going to do for him, and how he's going to eat at his table. And the only thing Mephibosheth can say, "What would you want to do with a dead dog like me?" Let, 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 me, let me throw this out there. Somebody that you think is out of your reach. I'm going to talk to you some of you single women. There's going to be some men you think is out of your reach. It's going to tell you how beautiful you are. And I don't want you talking about, well, why don't you want to do with my old ugly self? You know, I'm fat. Stop talking all that down talk. If he like you, let him like you. If he love your roles, let him love your roles. Stop talking down about yourself. Yes, it gave you shame for what you don't like. There's some man that's going to love everything you don't like. So pick your head up and just accept whatever God's doing in your life. You are not a dead dog and you can't serve a resurrected God and be a dead dog. I want them to put the camera on me. And let me say it again. I don't know who I'm talking to. And let me see if I can look right up here. You cannot be a dead dog serving a resurrected God. If God is resurrected in you, and the Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, he dwells in you. Stop talking bad about yourself. You're not ugly. You're not broke. You're not depressed. You're what God says you are. And he is the I am that I am. So you need to start saying I am wealthy. I am blessed. I am good looking. I am anointed. I am smart. You is smart. You is kind. You is important. You need to tell yourself these things because you're not a dead dog because God has raised you up. And since we're talking about dogs, let me just throw this in there so to, to some of the young women that may be watching online. Stop letting men call you bees and all kinds of stuff. You stop listening, stop responding to it, and stop saying it about yourself. You need to just keep walking because you, evidently you're not talking to me talking like that because I know who I am. I'm a queen and I deserve a king. I'm a princess and I deserve a prince. So don't you start talking to me like that. Now y'all clapping, but before, we, uh, before y'all get too excited, sometimes a man talking to you like, like that look good. And you're just happy he's talking to you. But you don't have to settle for nothing. You don't have to settle for nothing lower because God has raised you up. So guess what? Just keep on moving until you get the right joker that's going to talk to you the right way. And let me say this, don't let them talk to you right and you talk to them wrong. Learn how to return a compliment. Learn how to to build people up and enjoy what God is raising us up to. All right, let's go to verse 9. Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. Now what was funny is David didn't respond to the dead dog comment at all. Mephibosheth said, I'm a dead dog. David said, I ain't thinking about that. I'm getting ready to do something kind for you. I don't care what you think about yourself. And God is so gracious. I don't care if you think you're bad or not. God said, when I get ready to bless you, even you can't stop me from blessing you. I'm going to give you everything. Verse 10, you and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops. Wait a second. Mephibosheth was was, uh, feeble and crippled but now he's going to have servants. There were some servants and he said, listen, all your, your servants and stuff, I want you to go and start serving Mephib- Mephibosheth. I'm going read it again. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Then it adds this, now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. So he went from being in bar in somebody else's house, crippled, to now eating at the king's table with a whole bunch of land. And now he got 35 people working for him. Yeah. Just because the king said, I want to do something good for you. L- listen, some of y'all going to walk into some blessings that just is not going to make sense. It's going to be so crazy the folk are going to think you're lying. You've got to be lying. Sister Ruthie, you're going to walk into some blessings on your job that people, when you tell the story, they're going to call you a liar. But you're going to almost think it's too good to be true. But when God gets ready to do stuff, he can turn stuff over overnight. Now I know it doesn't take overnight because we have to work all through the night but there's some blessings that are going to come so quick, so fast it'll make you forget how much you struggle and how much you cry because when it comes, when God opens the door he opens it up so big and so wide he does it so fast that it doesn't even make sense and God's going to do that for some of his people Amen. Brother Dylan, I'm going to draw it out just a little longer I got, I got something else to add in there when my when my wife finally had our first son, Draylon, Dylan came so fast. First of all, it took us eight years to get Draylon, but Dylan came so fast, I had to tell God, slow down. Because once the, once he gets started, God knows how to bless. And it was amazing what happened the way uh, Devin did. I would come home from working in Indianapolis. I would come home, I'd get home around midnight. I would come and check on Draylin in the crib, and then I would go... Uh, check on Devin to see if she was she was up. That was my routine. So on, on 11 months in, I check in the crib and Draylon has a bib on that says I'm going to be a big brother. And then I walked into the room with Devin and I turned right back around. And I went and I looked at that bib again and I, because I didn't want to ever wake him up, I turned the light on. Is this what I'm really seeing? It says, I'm going to be a big brother. Now, to be honest, I wasn't ready for a big brother right now. I, I, I was We was good with the child that we had. I was like, slow down, God. But when God get the blessing, and guess what? Even though I preach about it and testify about it, I can't even remember the pain of the miscarriages because the blessing of the kids have been so grand and so great. What God does in your future will make you forget about the past and you'll only remember the past just to testify about it. In other words, you only look in the rearview mirror every now and then. Most of the time you look straight ahead because the rearview mirror is much smaller than the front view mirror. So your past is always going to be worse than your future. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Verse 11 and 12. Uh, Sister Mitch, you can go ahead and read those.
1: Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So the ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Like
0: one of the king's sons, he ate at the table. The last verse.
1: And the lived in Jerusalem because he
0: always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Guess what? It didn't change his situation. If you got divorced, you got divorced. You can't, you can't take that back. You got divorced. Even when people marry the same person again later on, they move on, y'all still got divorced. That's some stuff you just can't change. You got fired. You got fired. That's some stuff you can't change. Yeah, you got locked up. You got like, That's some stuff you can't change. But God can turn your future to so long and so great that what happened in the past, it just doesn't weigh you down. So here he was, going from a dead dog to now sitting at the king's table, treated like a king's son. Guess what? I'm the son of a king. And yes, I've had some shame on me, but no longer. No longer is there shame on me. But, 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 but you, you spent some time as a homosexual. But I belong to God. But you spend some si- time as an adulterer. But I belong to God. But you just spend some time as a drug addict. But I belong to God. Well, you was a liar, a cheater, a backslider. But I belong to God. Yes, all those things may be true. But here's the thing you got to say that's also true. Right now, I'm sitting at the king's table. So you can talk about my past, but I'm going to talk about my blessing. You can talk about my past, but I'm going to talk about my future. I'm sitting at the king's table, and it was nothing that I'd done. Here's what the scripture said, and this is how we close. The scripture says, David said, I'm doing this for your father's sake. Well, I have a father in heaven. His name is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And yes, I'm still lame in some areas. I'm still crippled in some areas. And some days I still feel like the dead dog. But because my father said I can sit at the king's table, I'm going to sit at the king's table. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. No, I don't deserve it, but yet I'm still blessed. song we used to sing said we're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed. We are blessed. We may not look like we deserve it, but yet we are blessed. I don't have a degree, but I'm blessed. I don't have a mansion yet, but I'm blessed. I don't have a driver driving my car yet, but I'm blessed. I don't have a private jet, but I'm still blessed. I may not be able to eat steak today, but I'm still blessed. I may not have all the change of clothes I want, but I'm still blessed. I'm a child of the king. And if I don't get it on this side of heaven, I'll get it over in glory. I am blessed. Not shame on me. Shame on you, devil. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Amen. We will be going through this, that chapter in Isaiah for the next several weeks. So invite somebody and, uh, to church. Let's, let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, praise you, love you, honor you, and appreciate you. God, I thank you that even though we have had some things to be ashamed of, And even some of us are facing things that bring embarrassment and shame. I pray that you give us double and bring us up because you are blessing your people. And one of the places you're blessing, you're blessing all around the globe, but one of the places you're blessing, you're blessing right here at 720 East Second Street at a little church called Deliverance Temple. And we're not little for long. We are great and grand and mighty and we thank you for it. Now, God, I pray for all the people who are listening to me who don't know you in the pardon of their sins. I pray they would say this simple prayer. God, God, Come into my heart, come into my life, forgive me, wash me, save me, and take my shame and give me double portion for it. In Jesus' name, amen.